No, we've already talked about that on the podcast. We can't talk about it again. Mm-hmm. It is. There's, you probably can't see it because you're watching a video, but it's kind of laggy. It's very weird. Hopefully, very it's weird. coming out okay for everybody there, but... Don't not like know. 3D. We're, we're just two-dimensional figures. We're a little slow. We're not moving at the speed of light today. No, we're not. I'm a little under the weather. Rich is... I don't know what your problem is. Uh, old age, decrepancy, well, senility. Decrepancy. That's a great word. So Decrepancy. You know. And so many other things that are wrong with me, but, you know. Pick one. So, Constantly struggling with uh, living as a child of light, having been transformed from darkness to light. Aren't we all? Very often, <laughs> as our podcast, not moving at the speed of light. So, it's, aren't we uh, all? You know, I, I look at things like, um, <clears throat> well, Galatians five, and looking at the fruit of the spirit, and I'm like, man, I'm way better at the you know the deeds of the flesh than I am at the right? at the fruit of the spirit, right? and you know. Uh, James 1, 19 to 21, talking about um, being quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. And uh, that ain't me all I the time. recognize that uh, definitely still a work in progress. So that's a, True. That's a thing. Same. So. Uh, what I have found out is that there are a lot of songs that go <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry for texting the group so late. I was like, I'm rolling, and Shelly's like, why are you texting at 11.25 at night? We have a play. If you haven't listened to it. Hopefully they got it on silent. Right. If you haven't listened to it, we put out a playlist every week um, on Spotify that goes along with the the sermon, and we include the songs that we... And we include the songs that we do... um, on Sunday, but we also try to include other songs that could go along with that theme. And sometimes we might only have a handful, but this week I asked the band via a group text, you know, if you guys have any song ideas, let me know. They came rolling in. And uh, there were a lot, a lot more that I... Well, there's still time. It, I won't when, when I realized it was 11.25 at night, I'm like, oh, wow. And I'm sure you're including the Hank Williams version of... Uh, well, naturally, light, why wouldn't But I think I? you need to include the Crowder version as well because oh, it's pretty dope. I don't know so. if you can beat Hank Williams. I'm not saying beat. I think it's these things. It's a different style. These things are complimentary. All right. So anyway, so. if you are a fan of music, uh, that's a great way <laughs> Maybe to... Maybe you can even do the Tom Hiddleston version. No, I will. So. I refuse. <laughs> I refuse. I did watch that movie. Did you? I did. Was it any good? No. Oh, well, there you go. I assumed, I was talking to somebody about it the other day, and I assumed that they... Uh, we're going to focus only on the soap opera aspect mm-hmm. of it and the uh, elements that might be seen by others as hypocrisy and not any kind of legitimate uh, relationship with Christ. And That's what they did. That, so. It wasn't like uh, Walk the Line, <coughs> which I enjoyed as a movie. Yeah, Walk the Line was good. It, it had things that I didn't love about it, but the fact that the family signed off on it um, right. was a pretty big deal. Uh, I was surprised. Did you ever watch Ali with Will Smith? I didn't. Just depressingly bad picture of oh. him at that point. Um, Will Smith was brilliant. The family signed off on that as well, and I thought, wow, this is not exactly how I would want to be portrayed, portrayed but I didn't walk that journey either. So there's. I met, I met Muhammad Ali in a bowling alley. All right, good deal. We got a picture of Ricky shaking hands with him at the fair years nice. ago. And he always reminded me of my grandfather. He's, uh, for whatever controversies or 
uh, things that people did not like about him, it's really hard not to understand him as a great people's champion mm-hmm. who who understood that what he did in his sport was bigger than himself. Right. And so he uh, he and I obviously are coming from dramatically different worldviews, mm-hmm. but um, he clearly um, took care of people. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I met him later in his, it was, I, didn't, I didn't say meet him like we were friends, I saw him. Right. Uh, it was later in his life, so he had he wasn't really that verbal with us, his Parkinson's right. and everything. But, but even then, when he when he had Parkinson's, he was still over at Notre Dame signing autographs yeah. for people. You know, he, he always took time for folks. And uh, that's a pretty good picture for, uh, I, honestly, I think it's something that, that a lot of us who claim to follow Christ could really learn from, that people matter. And being able to, to set aside your own uh, comfort, your own um, personal what do I want to say, um, to sacrifice yourself for others, that is a specifically Christ-like quality that I think far too often we don't emulate very well. So I think we're we inherently selfish as, as people. For sure, as yeah. That, I mean, that's the sin nature. <laughs> right. it, but again, if this man who did not know Christ right. at all um, was able to portray uh, that self-sacrifice better than we who do know Christ... That's an indictment that we need to take seriously. And I think that's one of the reasons why Christians get such a bad rap is because people profess to be a certain way and then don't live out that yeah that way and hundred percent. And that's you know that's what Paul's looking at in the second half of the book of Ephesians is if this is true of you, then these conducts, these behaviors, these attitudes uh, will reflect that. And right. and in this particular passage, he's kind of reemphasizing. The foundation of that, and I think that's also part of why Christians so often get a bad reputation, is that there are many who claim it, right. who, who don't have that changed nature, don't don't have a relationship with Christ, uh, as I so often say, many who wear the jersey but are not on the team, and so when people are out there representing the team that aren't part of the team, that don't actually have a relationship with Christ, it can't be that surprising that you're going to have that dynamic take place. And Jesus recognized that, <coughs> acknowledged that, uh, recognized probably not the right word. Uh, he acknowledged that uh, when, when he pointed out that there are tares in the wheat, mm-hmm. you know, weed that isn't wheat but looks like wheat, <coughs> and it's not our job to sort out the wheat from the tares. He'll do that in the end. But in the meantime, if we're constantly trying to, you know, rip out every tear, we're going to upend the wheat as well. And so um, there is uh, <clears throat> there is a necessity of uh, committed church membership and the relationship that we have there, which uh, I, I used to fight against when like even when we started the church, <clears throat> really wrestled with that. Um, but it has become clearer and clearer as as we've gone along and as uh, we see more and more of the uh, of the picture that we have in the New Testament of what the church looks like. Um, the second time through the book of Acts really became clear uh, coming through the book of Ephesians. There is no um, Christian life apart from body life. That We're just not made for that. Um, that's not the intent of the Lord. If we, if we love him, we love his body, we love his bride. If we don't love his body and his bride, then 
we can't really claim to love him. And right. uh, First John makes that pretty clear as well. So <clears throat> we see, pardon me, I think my coffee has dried out my throat. Oh. Um, the, uh, the picture that we have in Ephesians is this uh, personal change that leads to a corporate change, that, that mm-hmm. we are together in the church. And everything here, while it, it definitely has a personal um, connection that, that it has to be my faith that I'm actually in this relationship and my conduct is a part of that. The emphasis in this letter over and over again is the church, is the body life, that we're we're united together. Yeah, the church is made up of these <clears throat> pieces. Well that's right. So <laughs> if I if I, you know, discount the stones with which I'm building the, the, the building, then the building can't be built. You know, I have to be able to have the individual aspects of it. And so when he talks about us in here, even as the temple or as this holy dwelling that's being built up together, uh, each member has a part. Each stone has a part. And uh, and you can't really separate the two. You can't right. separate the individual life from the corporate life. Uh, and, uh, and and we try to do that a lot. Uh, we You know, the... We talk about the pendulum swings pretty often, and and we've seen that throughout church history, where we'll have um, places, you know, pockets of the church or pockets of history, where the pendulum will swing so far to one side, where uh, your <clears throat> your entire um, identity, as perceived by others at least, uh, is through your baptism. So right. you know, through your infant baptism, if you have done this then you are a part of it. And we saw that, especially throughout uh, the Holy Roman Empire. Uh, that's certainly not the only example, but that's an example throughout um, the, the history of England and the Church of England. Um, you're identified with the state and the church simultaneously. And if you're not identified with the church, then you're not you know, truly committed to the state and so on and so forth, all these different things. And that's just not the picture that we see. There is a a, a personal faith element to joining this family. Um, And so as we're seeing all this, baptism is important as a declaration of faith. As my my eight-year-old, almost nine-year-old, is he nine now? Wow. He's nine. Wow. (laughs) My grandson's growing up. Um, But as he just said the other day to me, uh, it's a public profession uh, of what has happened inside you. I'm like, child, you sound like a true Baptist. Your grandpa's been around you. Your your pappy's been around you a while. I'm grandpa. His other grandpa is pappy. Anyhow, uh, as as we are talking through this idea, Paul is is reemphasizing the fact that that we're not talking about behaviorism. We're not talking about trying to get right or to be religious or to do things uh, to impress the world or to gain points with God or to uh, belong to the church. He's reemphasizing the fact that all of the change behaviors come from the platform or from the root, they're, they're the fruit that comes from the root of actually having a changed life, a changed heart, a changed identity in Christ because of what Jesus did for us and did in us then what comes out of us is a reflection of him and mm. and, and so that's where in, in Ephesians 5 8 our, our memory verse for the week he says that, that for you were once darkness but now you are light in the Lord and, and it's interesting to me that that as he's saying this and he follows up with live as children of light 
he doesn't say you were in darkness. He says you were darkness. It doesn't say that you're in the light or you saw the light or you follow the light. You are light in the Lord. And, and that's confusing. How, how can that possibly be? I know me and I don't feel like light. I don't right. look like light. Well, the reality is, as he pointed out in chapters 1 and 2, I've been united with Christ. Not by my own doing, not by any works of righteousness that I have done, as, as uh, Paul would write to Titus. But according to his mercy, he saved me. He chose me. He adopted me. It's, it's him doing the doing that gets done. And so when, when there is a change in me, it's not a change that I have wrought. It's a change that God hath wrought. I had to say half in there because it just seemed to fit with rot. But anyhow, as, as we're looking at this, I need to recognize that my changed behavior is not the criteria by which God judges me. Right. It's not the criteria by which I am made his child. It is the reflection, the fruit, the display of the fact that he has already made me his child in Christ united me to Christ, placed me in the in the phrasing of Ephesians in Christ so that I am now in Christ, blessed with every spiritual blessing, uh, receive full standing as the son of God or as a daughter of God in the exact same way as the only begotten son of God. So, uh, I mean, that's kind of beyond mind-blowing right. to think about the fact that I am an equal standing, equal footing with Jesus Christ himself. When I am so not Jesus Christ. Right. And, and right. he actually, you know, by by any measure, if if you could earn it. Now, again, we were talking about the God-man. So the, the son is the father, is the spirit, and yet they are not. And so the, the, the uniqueness of Christ is utterly different. And right. so when we're seeing the only begotten son... God in the flesh, according to John 1. <clears throat> um, it, it, he is different than we are. Right. But he took all of my sin. He actually, according to 2 Corinthians 5.21, became sin for us. So that in him, by faith in him, we then become the righteousness of God. And that's the same uh that's the same dynamic that Paul is talking about here when he says, you were darkness, now you are light. Christ became sin so that you could become righteousness. So everything that is true of Christ is true of me. I am God's uh, holy, accepted, dearly loved, perfectly forgiven uh, child in a relationship that can never be undone. And I think one of the reasons that that becomes so important as we look at it is that our feelings are fickle, right? Our feelings go all over the place. And we talk about that in terms of marriage and any number of other situations, you know, in marriage in particular. It's easy to fall in love, and it's just as easy to fall out of love. It's, yeah. you know, any two people in the right situation, uh, given the right uh, set of circumstances, can fall in love, and the exact same thing can be said about falling out of love. So that is not a foundation for a meaningful relationship, and, right. and certainly not for marriage. In the same way, if that's our experience with Christ, is how we feel, then we can fall in and out of love with Jesus himself. We can, you know, we can have this uh, salvation experience that isn't actually salvific. We're not, we're not in this saving relationship by faith. 
if it's just based on our emotion or you know some uh, fiery preacher that gets us to walk down an aisle, the the revivalism that that came out um, really a lot in the in the nineteenth century and has continued to today. Getting someone to convert in a moment is not the same as a true spiritual conversion right. from death to life. And, and you might see a lot of things that people um, checking podcasts or watching YouTube might see a lot of things from, uh, from you know, call it the neo-reform crowd. That's not necessarily accurate, but, you know, the, the, these, you know, popular, more reform style um, teachers and preachers who are just banging the drum of, you know, stop saying the sinner's prayer, the sinner's prayer doesn't save you, and all that kind of stuff. And, and I think maybe they throw the baby out with the bathwater and go a little too, bit too far with it. But there is a danger that we have seen in the revivalist mentality that, that says, you say the sinner's prayer and everything is good. You right. go to vacation Bible school as a kid and you say some words or somebody guides you through a colorless book or a beaded bracelet or whatever else. And uh, you, you've said all the words, you've thought all the pieces, and then you're good forever. You know, right. you punch your ticket, you're good. And that is a little confusing for people. It is our faith that saves us. And when we have believed and received Christ by faith, then that's a relationship that cannot be undone. But it also isn't like abracadabra, poof, you're saved. It's not, you know, I said the magic incantation and therefore this happens. There is a repentance that changes me. People can say whatever they want, you know. Absolutely. You know, we've, you know, you think of a, a, of a dirty cop who set a, a, took an oath to serve and protect, right. uh, but clearly that's not who they are right. in that particular case. Maybe that was a bad example given our current time when people are uh, up in arms Read about the room. police no. officers. Uh, But we also recognize that that's not the vast majority uh, of police officers. The vast majority who actually take their oath seriously and actually do serve and protect, are they perfect? Of course not, because no no human being is. But they take it seriously, and it, it changes how they think. It changes what they do. Because I am a cop, these are things that I do and I don't do. In the same way... There are lots of people who may say a prayer, who may say any number of things uh, regarding Jesus. I, not I, really knowing. Yeah, I'm, I'm not in there. No, I haven't been like, changed by it. It's like when you sign up for something online and they there's like a 10,000-page uh, agreement. Mm-hmm. And you it's, you have to like click a button. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. But nobody reads it <laughs> right, because exactly. it's 10,000 pages. So you just have to like scroll <laughs> the to the bottom. Apple Terms of Service. Right, yeah, that's what it is, the Terms of Service. Like you're clicking it, you're like, yeah, okay, I'm sure it's all great in there. Uh, right, I got to get to the next right, part of my program. Right, but you're not really, you don't really know what it is, what you're doing. Right. So. Guilty. And you, I'm well, me too. Right. And you just hope that you're not agreeing to, you know, something Which, terrible. And that's why, you know, when I do weddings, I require extended counseling it's not that there's anything magical in the counseling but we need to be able to to sit down have real conversations make it cost a little bit i need to make you read the terms of service mm-hmm. you know it's basically right. what we're not doing not just click okay not just click okay because right. my goal is to get to the wedding so i can you know do these things because my feelings are driving because me because i want way. cake i've got to have more than that i have to know what it is that I'm actually talking about. And so when we're, you know, last week we talked about baptism and communion. When we're talking about baptism, you know, some might might wonder, why don't we do the spontaneous baptism that that some of the um, more, I guess, they would be termed by others as seeker-driven churches. Why don't we do that? Well, largely because 
spontaneous baptism in our culture does not have the same meaning. It does mm. not have the same cost as spontaneous baptism in, say, North Korea or right. you know Iran or something. And so when it's culturally acceptable and it fits a norm that can actually benefit your reputation and the emotionalism can carry the day, we want to put the kibosh on that as quickly as we can so that we're actually counting the cost. That's one of the reasons that I am reluctant very often. I say this, I'm baptizing, uh, as far as I know, three children coming up here mm. who are elementary school age. Um, I think my granddaughter is the oldest. She's going into sixth grade at 11. Uh, and I, I'm reluctant to do that because very often children don't understand the cost. They don't know really what I we're talking about. I think I got about. baptized just before I was going into sixth grade. Yeah. So. And so it, it, it's a dangerous thing in some ways. Not, and I, I don't mean dangerous in the sense that it's somehow going to, you know, turn them against God or whatever else. But, but you have to have the right setting to be able to maintain and sustain uh, the decisions that we make when we're young. So to have a family that not only teaches truth but challenges you, that says, wait a minute, you're not walking right. This right. is not okay. This, this behavior is unacceptable, and it does not fit a child of God. And not just uh, an immediate family, but a church family. And not just a church family, but an immediate family. We need to be able to have that combination. Can it happen otherwise? Of course it can. But you're, you're, fight, you're swimming upstream. You're fighting against the odds here. And I don't think, if I may, it's wise to bet against the house. So as we're dealing with, I'm gonna, if you don't email about that, it's not worth it. But as we're dealing with the identification as Christ followers. If they haven't emailed about things before, they're actually... <laughs> You never know There's what's going to set worse. people up. <laughs> that will be my mother. Mother. <laughs> uh, anyhow, as we're talking about these types of things and identifying with Christ, uh, just as, as Paul is here, the emphasis in uh, Ephesians 5 verses 8 through 14 is kind of shifting back because the emphasis in the last three chapters is what do I do about it? If I'm in Christ, what does that look like? How do I, how do I play that out? How do I work out this salvation that I've received in Christ? And in this section, he's actually kind of flipping that. He's, he's backing up and saying, yes, the doing, but don't forget the doing comes from the being. And he's reminding us, let me read the text. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. I'm reading from the, uh, from the better 1984 edition of the NIV. So if it sounds a little different, that's why. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. So notice that the fruit of the light, if I'm living as a child of the light, I'm living in such a way that the light comes out. The light has to be in me for it to come out. If I'm trying to put on the light as some external thing, some practice that matches, uh, that matches the church, that's not in itself going to be sufficient. What I need is a practice that matches the light that is already inside me by, by my relationship with Christ. So the fruit of the light, what the light produces in me, consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. But notice in verse 10, that does not take away from the reality that there's an effort that goes into it. I have to find out what pleases the Lord. I need to put the work in to actually study the word, to spend time with uh, other believers, especially older believers, who can help me in my discipleship, kind of mentor me as an apprentice uh, to, to them. Um, 
maybe we understand the word apprentice better than disciple, uh, but that's what we're talking about, is somebody who's learning to be like the master. And, and older or more mature believers, it doesn't have to be chronologically older, but in the faith longer, um, can can be a, a, not can be, I think are, according to what we read from Paul's writings and, and the way Jesus approached things, these are very much uh, central tools of my well it's strange to talk about people as tools but tools of our discipleship is having these mentors around us because i have to find out what pleases the lord it doesn't come naturally to my mind because my mind has been shaped by the flesh so now i'm producing fruit that's contrary to my natural flesh and i need to put effort into finding out what pleases the lord then he goes on in verse 11 have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness so notice light produces fruit the deeds of the darkness are fruitless. No fruit. No fruit. And we talked about about light as uh, as a metaphor or emblematic right. of the manifest glory of God. So if and I if think we, it's a good one because it's easy for people to understand that contrast. I mean, it's nothing more, nothing simpler than that. Light versus dark. I mean, that's an easy thing to understand. Right. And and, and darkness is not an entity in itself. Right. It's the absence right. of the light. And so when we're talking about the spiritual darkness, it is the absence of God's glory. So by if when I was once darkness, I was devoid of God's glory. But now because of Christ being united to him, I am now the manifestation. And we together as the church are the manifestation of God's glory. So he says, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. The deeds of darkness are empty. They are they're void. They are it's like vain. the nothing from Never Ending Story. If I had seen it, I would have seen it. Yeah. Seen a lot of stuff about it. See the images of the big flying Los Opso, you know, a lot of times. So Falcor. So, yeah, yeah. You've never seen Never Ending Story. Never well, no. Ending Story. <laughs> no. That That's came, like classic eighties. Yeah, but it came out when I was old enough to think it was weird. So It is know. weird. <laughs> I mean weird to be I mean, watching it's a very, kids oh, show. It's I wouldn't call it a kids movie. I think it movie. came out, what, 84? Something I like that? I don't know. I don't know that I would call it a kids movie. I didn't really watch a lot of things with David Bowie at that point in my life either. So David so. Bowie's not in there. No, but it, it just, when I think of 80s weird, I think of David Bowie. I've never seen, I've seen parts of Labyrinth. Because nothing else was weird in the 80s right. except for You David need Bowie. to see Never Ending Story. <laughs> I, you know, I've thought that many times. And I started to. You will to, cry. I think, my ki- I think my kids have all You'll seen laugh, it. You'll laugh and well, cry. Emma, Emma, I'm sure, has never seen it. But Ricky's seen it. I'm well, there's sure a. Ter- seen I don't think Emma film. should see it because there's a terrible horse scene. Well, she. That she would weep. I weep. Anyway, there's so. a there's a there's a princess in it that's like the light princess, and then there's this darkness that is enc- like encompassing the whole world, and it's called the nothing. Okay. And it's this darkness. So that makes sense if you would watch the movie. Email Rich about not I, seeing the ending story. I think it makes sense just in the way you explained it. But so you need to see you've it. You've made it so clear. Never I don't need story. to see. We're putting this, Neverending so. Story soundtrack on the playlist. There this you week. go. All right. Anyway. All right. So, Gosh. but but again, it's the that void, that emptiness, so that because it is an absence of light, right. it can't produce fruit. And we recognize that. You know, I just had to cut a bunch of branches out of a tree that's over our garden out at the farm because not getting enough light. No light, no life. Can't produce fruit. No fruit. So that's where we're at. When we see the the fruitless deeds of darkness, uh, we're called to expose them. And we're not called to expose them so much. In, 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 and we can draw from the example of Christ uh, to, to interpret this. We're not called to expose them so much in the sense of 
pointing fingers and you terrible people, all you horrible sinful people, you know, let's let's picket and protest and boycott and all those kinds of things. That all that does is put us on opposite sides of the same dynamics. Right. We're doing things in the flesh. And I'm not saying there's never a time to work toward better legislation and, and all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> but where we expose the deeds of, of the darkness is by reflecting Christ's light, by producing the fruit of righteousness. And, and when we do these things, <clears throat> then the, the darkness is exposed. Mm-hmm. It just is. When, where light is present, darkness cannot exist. And so we're casting out shadows by living like Jesus. At, at some point, we have to give answers to those who have now been exposed and want to understand well, why is my life the way it is? Why, is, you know, why do I have these, these struggles inside? How can I be saved? We need to be able to say it out loud with words. Mm-hmm. And, and if we don't do that, then all we've done is set a nifty example that they can never take advantage of because we need to be able to connect people with Christ and we're not going to do that by osmosis. I can't right. just rub off on, you know, we're not going to have that. Use the force. Um, so that, that's not, I, I tried studying uh, math that 80s. way. I just, you know, slept on top of my math book and hope maybe it would I cried into, into my mine, brain. so that's. You know, that didn't work so well. So have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Uh, I think one of the things that we do as Christians that that is counterproductive to that is we we set aside our values when it comes time for our entertainment. Hmm. We decide that, you know, hey, there's nothing wrong with this R-rated movie or this mature-rated TV show. You know, let's let's watch Game of Thrones because that's clearly entertaining, you know. know, Oh, but I like, you know, Viking stories or whatever else kind of things. Um, And it's nothing but filth as you go through it. We talked about that a little bit a few weeks ago. i got to tell you, I've just been, we were watching the Waltons on Hallmark Channel the other day. It was actually on a Hallmark movies, movies and, and drama, or yeah, or drama whatever or whatever, yeah. Uh, and there, there's one of them that I thought Stacy must watch this because it's the Baker lady who's involved in the mystery. You know, so, I, I have so. never really watched the Waltons. My mom used to watch. Oh, it, no, so it was seen, the oh. it was a Hallmark series. Oh, was uh, it with Allison Sweeney? Yes, it is. I have never watched. I don't really yeah. like the mysteries that much. Yeah, I didn't think the mysteries would grab you, but the baking I thought. Yeah, would. yeah. So, murder, murder she baked or something so, like that. Yeah, it's kind of like that. <laughs> so. Uh, Anyway, we're, we're watching it, and I, I so many commercials. I could right. not believe how many commercials. Uh, I think they must have cut content out of the original show to put more commercials in, and info commercials with Jane Seymour. Not knocking Jane Seymour, but please, people. Did you watch Dr. Quinn? We did, but okay, not good. that day. So anyway, <laughs> we watched it first run. Right. That was Shelley's go-to every I week. I love Dr. Quinn. But anyway, as we're, as we're watching it, they had commercials for the Good Witch come up so much. Well, it's ending. Right, and they're pushing it. And it was over and over again. And I'm thinking, man, I really kind of miss Mac from JAG. She was cool. But this is a show 100% celebrating the occult, using occult imagery. Not not some, you know, not like, you know, the wizard Gandalf the Grey. Right. Or anything, you know, I've never not, watched there it. There isn't a greater... Uh, you know, allegorical story or anything like that. Right. It's just witchcraft is good and fun. And and like lighthearted. And I'm thinking, you know, we get so bent out of shape and hung up over the homosexual content, you know, because mm-hmm. they're, they're putting these things in there even in Hallmark now. And we get so bent out of shape over that. But we'll overlook these 
occult practices that are being brought in. We when can't pick are, and choose right. what sins are okay for us to celebrate and what sins are not okay for us to celebrate. When things are packaged a certain way, and you think like a station like Hallmark or whatever, you, you automatically, I think there's a thing in your head that's like, it's gonna be okay, it's no right. big, you know. Yeah. And I think that happens a lot when things are packaged a certain way, things can sneak in there yeah. that you don't really give a second thought to until maybe afterward you're like, was right. that okay? So, and Hallmark's a great example right. of, of kind of what we were talking about earlier, that this is, we can have things that look the same on the outside, but right. are dramatically different on the inside. Yes. So Hallmark Channel might, historically anyway, um, want family-oriented fare that's fairly wholesome, and, you know, when, you know, the most... You know, risque thing you have is the reruns of Gilmore Girls or whatever. You know, that ain't on Hallmark. No, but I mean, they this have is, Frasier on Hallmark. So, which is again, Golden Girls and Frasier. Yeah. These are not godly <laughs> pictures. Not that I, you know, haven't watched them. Obviously, that's how I know this. But <clears throat> I mean, wow. You know, that Golden Girls is kind of filthy, especially for but, the '80s. <clears throat> but, out, out about '80s today. And why wouldn't we really? But. But they had cheesecake, so it was. But Hallmark Channel is not. Right. It's not Christian owned. When you it's think not about Christian Hallmark based. Channel, though, you think they're about not basing it. their values. They're basing their values on cultural norms, right? Not on the standards of Scripture. And when we, as Americans, like to think, oh, you know, truth, justice, in the American way, Superman, right? So we want to we want to act as if Christian values and American values are, are automatically right. the same thing. And what should be American values have been, what are our aspirational values in the Declaration of Independence and so on, are 100% based on Judeo-Christian values, albeit filtered through the lens of the Enlightenment, which is automatically corrupting in, in some, of that, uh, some of those aspects. But there is an influence, but we can't pretend it's the same right. because American values can never be elevated to the point of Christian values because the foundation is not the same. You're talking about philosophies and worldviews, not a changed internal nature. So when we're talking about the church, we're talking about a building made up of building materials, stones, where we are no longer darkness, but we are light because we are united with Christ. That cannot be true of a nation in the same way. Right. So that's, and it cannot be true uh, when we're talking about the cultures of a, or the, the, the cultural norms of a nation that are shaping something like, for example, Hallmark Channel or Disney or right. whatever else. And, and this is why these standards slide, why mm -hmm. you see them promoting things that don't fit a Christian worldview. Because here's a crazy thing they don't have the foundation of actually being in Christ. Not that there aren't individuals, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about the, the group, the, the corporation. So we as Christians need to take verse 11 seriously and have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. We need to stay away from that. We need to, to look at how do we purge these things from our lives. And that, that can be, we, you know, we could do an entire podcast on that, uh, just that verse and not exhaust it. And we, right. we talked about that previously. How do we make these entertainment choices? Uh, and, and there is uh, a certain subjectivity that comes to it. Why is the good witch 
uh, not a good thing, but the Lord of the Rings, where there's mm-hmm. so much fantasy and magic type stuff, why is that a good thing? Or why do we see witches and, and so on in um, Chronicles of Narnia? Or, or why is the Wizard of Oz considered, you know, to be, not that it's a Christian thing, but why is that uh, acceptable and good? We've got to be very careful about the things that, that we're looking at and how we judge them and the, the lens through which we see them can be more important than the conclusion we sure, draw from right. them. You and I might come to different conclusions about different shows. We and you can both agree that, that one calls the heart is right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, and yet also no. So uh, it, the Waltons was just replete with liberal theology mm. garbage the other day that we were you watch it. Some great, great things, and then some really garbage things about the nature of the Bible and just flat being wrong about certain aspects of history. But I digress. As we're, as we're looking at the text, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Verse 12, for it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. <clears throat> or it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. We you know, talked a little bit about perhaps the emphasis uh, in that should be that mentioning it in secret is shameful. Let alone doing it, but the godly, or the the godless are out doing it all the so time. I think secret in secret is another way to say in darkness. Right, you know, yeah, you're cloaked by hidden. Right, right, and so the light exposes that. Right. So that's why it says in verse thirteen, but everything exposed to the light becomes visible. So the light in us, the the light that we have become in Christ, in this change. Uh, is not us mustering something up, right. but letting him shine through us. And so when the world around us, which is darkness, and the deeds, the wicked deeds that, that humanity loves are hidden in that darkness, when the presence of a light bearer, a, a person who is in Christ, just by being there, living like Christ, reflecting the reality of who he is, the deeds of darkness are exposed. Right. They become visible. And as they become visible, then that provides the opportunity for conviction. It provides the, that, um, that existential crisis. What am I going to do about it? Now that I recognize, that I now see there's a difference. how horrible I am. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, truthfully. Right. When I see, you know, wait, your life isn't like my life. Right. And I'm recognizing there's something wrong with me in my heart. Right. And that shame that we so often try to get rid of. We want to normalize everything so nobody feels any shame. That is the devil's tool because shame is a big part of the grief that leads us to repentance. Until I feel shame over my sin, which I should rightly be ashamed of, then I will not feel conviction that I should change it, that I should, well, I don't need a savior if there's nothing that I need to be saved from. If I shouldn't be ashamed of my sinfulness, then... What, what good does Jesus right. do me? I don't, right. I don't need to do anything about it. But it's, it's light that makes everything visible. And that's why, and uh, I think the newer edition and some other uh, translations render that um, everything that is illuminated becomes a light. Hmm. And so when, when we, by, ex- by being the light and living like children of light, expose the deeds of darkness, then that light uh, shining upon them gives them the the opportunity to be convicted, repent, 
turn to Christ, and then likewise become light. It's like your candles on Christmas Eve that you're passing to the next person yeah. to light in until the whole room is... Right, which I believe Shelley wanted you to add the Kathy Tricoli, uh, yeah, go yeah, yeah. light your world to, yeah. to the playlist for that very reason. Uh, this is why it said, wake up sleeper, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. When, when we are in Christ, and we are dead in our sins, but brought to life in him, then his light shines on us, illuminates us, causes us to then be a light, so that we are able to reflect the reality of who he is to a world in darkness through the relationships that, that he gives us. Uh, and so the, the core reality that we focused on with the, uh, with the text was that the believer's changed conduct flows from a changed identity. And that's, that's really the, the focus we need to bear in mind as we're reading through this. It's both. Mm. It's my identity has changed, therefore my behavior changed. Right. My identity didn't change because I fixed my behavior, right? right? It, there's The causality is reversed of that. So. We will stop there because uh, we're over time. Hey, express. But we're under our normal time. That's so. true. Uh, but I got to go. Yes, so, you do. Uh, yeah, we will stop there. If you have any questions or comments or you want to yell at Rich, uh, feel free to email us at somethingreal at reallifeonline.org. That's what the pastor's for. Or you can leave a voicemail either on the Anchor app, if that's where you get your podcasts, or give us a call at 269-756-RLCC, or you can leave a message on Facebook or YouTube. Well done. I think that's it. And give us a five-star rating. Why not? You got nothing better <laughs> to do, right? It's as good as it's going to get. Why not? It's as good as it's going to get. <laughs> Thank you for listening, everyone. We'll catch you next time.